Song by Song, Randy Newman Recap Podcast. Before we get to our guest, we have some big news. If you are in the Oklahoma City area, you need to mark your calendar now for Saturday, April 8th. Live one night only from the Rodeo Cinema in beautiful Stockyard City, Oklahoma City, I will be performing Tall Person, a Randy Newman tribute show. We are going to have lots of music, lots of laughs. We will have surprise guest vocalists. Lots of fun. Our opening act will be Alex Sanchez. You remember him from the I Will Go Sailing No More episode. And we'll be hosted by Jamie Clark from the Vine Street episode. I don't do this very often, so this is probably your best chance to see me. Tall person. A tribute to Randy Newman at Rodeo Cinema. Ticket links in the show notes. All right, let's start the show. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. Folks, we've got Suzette Chang with us today. Suzette, welcome to Wheel of Randy. Well, thank you. This is very cool. Very excited to be here with you. I've known you for a long, long time. (laughs) Yes, I think at least 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. We we, we uh, went to church together for quite a while, and now okay. through kind of a, a, a weird set of coincidences, uh, right. we share an office space now. Uh, so we do. You're, you're right across the hall. Although if you're anything like me, you're in the office maybe two hours out of the week. <sighs> yeah, there's that part. <laughs> there is that part. But that every part. now and then we still see each other. Agree. Uh, Agree. But, but uh, Suzette is the... What, what is your title at Thick Descriptions? So I am the founder and CEO of Thick Descriptions. Um, we disrupt traditional educational methods with anthropology. If I hadn't been active with Thick Descriptions, I'm not sure I'd understand what that meant. But let, uh, let's, let, let, let's, let's break it down. Pro- probably, I, I've, I've been to your gala before, but one yeah. of my favorite events that, that you did uh, is... Uh, and it's been a couple of years since I, I've been to one, but there were these kind of group discussion meetings where mm-hmm. where, where you would would sit down and, and and go over a particular issue. And and mm-hmm. the one that was my favorite was the one discussing black hair. Yes, which was yes. something I came in knowing nothing about and <laughs> yeah. felt so educated and so. Uh, <laughs> I, I felt like a more complete person walking out of that. And uh, I, I suppose that's anthropology done right. There and received and thank you. So yeah, um, how we disrupt. So 
historically, when it comes to educating, be it from little humans to tweens, teens, adults, and seasoned adults, um, traditionally the educational methods that we use um, don't necessarily speak to everyone's learning style. And so by disrupting those traditional educational methods with anthropology, we're not only saying that one size does not fit all, we are saying that anthropology, which is history, biology, language, and culture, and you can look at humans through those lenses independently or collectively, that's a more innovative and contemporary way of educating people and understanding why we do what we do. And so when you were speaking about uh, black hair, that's through our elephant in the room unboxed. Um, uh, it's now a podcast. Um, at that time, we were doing it face to face and then COVID hit. And so obviously we had to rethink how to do things. And so, yeah, glad that you learned because that's that's the one of the goals is to help people to learn and understand um, experiences outside of what they know. That's another component of um, historical or traditional teaching is that we tend to teach people from our lens, not understanding that their lens is typically very different. Yeah. Wow. I I I never would have come up with it that way, but I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> now, it, you, you've been in Oklahoma for, what, 20 years now? 22 years. And and you're originally from California, right? I'm a native Californian, adopted Oklahoman. I'm officially an Okie now. I thought that went the other way. I thought that was <laughs> Well, yeah, for some. Yeah, for some who were born here in Oklahoma and then for whatever reason moved to California and then, yeah, but yeah. I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for, for people who uh, stay in Oklahoma uh, sometimes as, as an act of will. Uh, yes. Sometimes yes. it seems like like there are, are, are forces that we're struggling against that... Uh, I'm I'm, well, I'm awfully glad that there there are people like you that are my neighbors. We're received and thank you. And we choose to look at it as there's a lot of opportunity here in Oklahoma, a lot of opportunity, um, and we are here for the long haul. That's right. Uh, we sure are. I I I I I, I do love it here. And you know, like 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 with with any relationship of love, there are times where I have to shake my head. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we're 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 still here. That, that yeah. that's a good thing. So you talked about elephant in the room unboxed coming a podcast. Yeah. Uh, yes. we've got what three episodes out as of, yes. as of right now. I yes. I listened to the first one right away and loved it. <laughs> I have not made myself listen to the second one yet and I I want to um I want to be in the right mindset when when I I, I listen to this one because uh, it, it, every episode is a, a different host and a different guest from from what I understand. That is correct. That and is the, correct. And the second one if if I'm looking at the the description, right? We we have uh, two uh, 
white people discussing white privilege. Yes. Uh, which <laughs> which sometimes turns me off, Susan. <laughs> but uh, I, I really need need to give it a chance here. <laughs> Understood. And and to be fair, we all have privileges, and I would even argue, in comparison, like um, humans here in the United States, so Americans, our privileges collectively are far different than those maybe in Europe or. Sure and other spaces. And to, to be completely fair, we all have privileges. Um, in that particular uh, episode, those two humans are fleshing out the mythology of having white privilege. Mm. And what I I'm, would, in the future, I would hope or plan to flesh that out even more because the term white is a social construct. So there was a time where white people were not identified as white based on their phenotype. They were identified as white based on their, their privilege. Mm. So um, there was a time where Jews were not considered white because they weren't Christian. So in order to be considered white, you had to be a male, you had to own land, and you had to be a Christian. Huh. That had nothing to do with the color of your skin. My goodness. Right. And so over time, and there's a very powerful article that I believe turned into a book, came out in the 60s, That's it's called When Jews Became um, White People, or Became the New White People. Um, and again, it's it's talking about um, types of privileges that are connected to land and money and power. Hmm. It's just within this century, well, the 20th century, that... Which I'm still convinced that's where I'm living. <laughs> so. <laughs> that um, culturally, we began to assign the word white to the color of skin and not to its origins. And so that's yet another example of anthropology where culture and language, um, excuse me, yeah, culture and language and biology, and, and for that matter, history or archeology span are just having this, this uh, dance with each other based on one word. I, I I remember uh, when I was reading a a World War One narrative, uh, mm -hmm. and it talked about how in the English press uh, the Germans were were caricatured as we do in wartime, but were caricatured as Huns. Mm -hmm. That there was very much these aren't real Europeans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think that's fascinating that that. I, I'd always assumed that those things kind of were, were set in stone. Mm -hmm. And from a big overarching perspective, if um, we can look at power and these different impacts or factors um, are navigating how we access it. So I could argue that because, and I'm using air quotes, I speak white, 
uh, meaning I speak standard English, I have a privilege compared to, and I am of African American descent, where there are other humans that look like me that do not speak quote unquote white. So therefore that is not a privilege that they have. Hmm. Well, you've convinced me. I'm 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 going to listen to episode two. <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah. I may hang up on you and listen to oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. Um it, we as human beings when we don't step back and one, get a better understanding of origins, be it from language, history, biology, or culture, and then take a uh, a deeper dive, not so much the deepest we can take, because we could be here forever with that, but take a deeper dive and look at the origins of a word, the cultural influences, if there is a biological and or uh, linguistic connections with typically it is not always with biology, but definitely with culture and language and history. And we can see how a word takes on new meanings over time. And culture, we just, and I can't say that it's a, a United States thing. It's literally all over the world. Uh, words just take on completely different meanings. Um, and I'm part of that growing population that references um, historically what would be called a white person of European Americans. Um, no different than I identify as an African American or an Asian American, because it's identifying that human being's origin, their, 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 where they came from or their ancestors came from, and it is, it is acknowledging where they are now. Wow. And typically outside of the United States, most other countries, they identify by their country, not by their ethnicity. Really? Correct. Huh. So go to Jamaica. They don't identify as black Jamaicans or Asian Jamaicans. They're Jamaican. Okay. Go to any country in um, Africa. Most, if not all, I would say probably most, but not all, um, identified by their country and then maybe by their tribe. And it, okay. it's the same in South America. I mean, it's literally all over the country. The United States is the one that where other spaces, it's uh, um, power is distributed by class and lineage. Here in the United States, race is a big issue. I would... That makes sense, but I never would have guessed it because I I think of 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 the United States as having such a strong uh, nationalist identity. Uh, Agreed. But, but you know, it, it's interesting that we don't see you know our fellow citizens that way first and foremost. And and that also depends on the region that you are from. So here in Oklahoma, where the military is very strong uh, and many people take great pride in, and I'm I my parents, uh, my grandfather and father are served in the military, and so they identify as. Um, it, it is not only their identity to be a part of the military, to be a part of the American military, be it the Air Force or the Navy or whatever. Um, yeah, it's human beings. We are 
we are complicated um, and we tend to make things even more complicated when we don't acknowledge our history. So the archeology span of America um, and do what we can to come to some type of resolve as it relates to our histories um, from a male female perspective, from an ethnicity slash race perspective. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Mm. Uh, we we are we are complicated, and and me personally and professionally, a reason we're complicated is because we don't we don't stay committed to understanding our histories. the The assumption is what we are doing now it's new, and I remember as a kid, my grandparents saying to me, and even my mom as I got there's nothing new under the sun, uh-huh. and. The more I research and the more that I explore and talk to people and have a better understanding of their experiences, it, they're absolutely correct. It, we, however, we rename it something. So there was a time that there were uh, people from Italy that were Italians that came here to the United States and they weren't uh, um, Italian Americans, they became Americans. Um, but what about that and Italian lineage? What about that Europe, those European perspectives? Um, just, yeah, we're complicated. Mm. Yeah, we are. One more thick descriptions question before we, we get into cowboy. Everyone knows we're going to talk about cowboy. It's in the episode description, but, uh, yeah. I was surprised uh, when I, I started looking into thick descriptions that there was as much of a STEM emphasis as there is. Uh, how, how did that decision come about? So STEM, histor- so STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And historically, that focused primarily on the natural or tangible sciences. Mm-hmm. So be it aviation, and I'll focus just on the, the industries that are big here in Oklahoma. So aviation, um, agriculture, and oil. Those are three of our primary industries. And so there has been and will always be something very STEM-based to all of those. However, and then there was a push and still is of adding the arts. And for us, art is a, a staple, especially with the, the target audience that we focus, which is ages six through 12. Oh, yeah. Where, um, and it's a small A. The big A for us, meaning anthropology, came in because it was important to incorporate the cultures, the language the biology and or history of with the communities that we are serving. So to answer your question, in 2015, the descriptions received a grant and uh, made the decision to offer our first STEAM project in Boley, Oklahoma, which is a historical Black town. And we came, We our focus was... Uh, Uh, agriculture and aeronautics and uh, engineering started off with three kids. And by the second day we had over 50 Mm. and 
realized that we could not execute STEM-based learning without speaking to that particular community's anthropology, without speaking to the biology, the language, the cultures, and the history of that particular community. And at the same time, one of their uh, youth, uh, he had to be like 18, 19 years old, uh, lost his life. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, it was due to um, police brutality. Oh. So how could we not incorporate what this community was dealing with, suffering through, and 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 act as though the natural and social sciences do not work together and realize as we kept moving forward that everywhere we offer STEAM, it is not like human beings are light switches. So when something is happening from a linguistic, historical, biological, or cultural perspective, it's not like they come into our space and all of those things stop. They're right. still going on. And so realized we've got to incorporate the natural and the social sciences when it relates to STEM. Um, and from that have had the privilege of cultivating STEAM in several spaces throughout the state. And we are looking at moving outside of the state as well. Um, not everyone learns the same. Not everyone understands the same. Most of us um, come to an educational space, be it a traditional school, at home, whatever. We're coming to that space with our cultural understandings, with our language understandings, sometimes with our, our biological understandings and, and, and historic. And so from that, um, that's where STEAM came for Thick Descriptions. I've I've been involved in a lot of STEM programs through the mm -hmm. years, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to say you're the only one who's doing it right. <laughs> a, a, a lot, of, I, I I find a lot of of STEM programs. Uh, I don't want to question their motives, mm -hmm. but there there's almost a sense of well, we tried, right, right, um, but you know I. I, I come from an engineering background, uh, right. and and I have a a, a wife who who dove yeah. deep into the history of science in, in yeah. college, and, yeah. and 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 sparked my passion for for that. And I I think so much about the the scientific community in eighteenth uh, century England, uh, right. where you know to be fair, a, a lot of a lot of our our, our discoveries and, and scientific language and scientific methods uh, originated, and how it was beyond uh, mm -hmm. any any level that we can imagine now uh, mm -hmm. of 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 uh, field of privilege right. that science was done through the royal society. It right. was done as a leisure activity for right. people who had a lot of time on their hands. Right. right. And we were able to uh, advance as a society so much 
through those discoveries. Right. But I, I look at it as, as such a, a lost opportunity that right. we have this small handful of people that are even given the chance to contribute right. uh, to society from a technological standpoint. And, right. and I, I make the, the case that, that science needs these kids a whole lot more than these kids need science. Agreed. Agreed. And to piggyback on that, we've had many kids who just based on the history you just shared, although they didn't know it, science was some abstract thing that they could not do. Right. And so I remember one time doing um, a STEAM project in Midwest City and helping them to understand that each time they cook, they're a scientist. Yes. And the looks on their faces was complete and total shock, helping them to understand just their very being, being a human being. You are a walking science project. That they had, couldn't be they, more true. They had no one had ever presented science to them in that way. It was always presented as it was something that other people did and that they could not. That's why I'm very careful, uh, especially when I'm, I'm I'm talking with clients or at city council meetings or, or something. I'm very careful with my language because yeah. there's so much scientific shorthand yeah. that that I use with my colleagues just to save time. Right, right, right. But all it's right. going to do for the public is intimidate them or right. make them feel that that we're coming from different right uh, different planets. Right, and and. There is so little effort uh, in the engineering school community. There's so little effort to do any kind of, of communication skills uh, because because a, a large part of the scientific community thinks that we're in the Royal Society still, Correct. that Correct. we've got this, this small group of people that can afford an engineering degree and everyone else just needs to, to quiet down and, and, and let let the grown-ups do their thing. And it's, it's right. maddening. Right. And that's been a part of in leveraging this this whole impact, because I can remember, so rewind, I can remember when STEM was just a, a quote unquote academic thing. That's where um, kind of what you just said, um, if you and or your child wanted to be involved in STEM, you had to send your kid to a science camp at an, a higher ed. Yeah. Um, and it was a cost assigned to it. It was, it was not cheap. You know, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, and that is something that I am very committed to personally and professionally for the last, definitely for the last five plus years as human beings that have historically been underestimated and overlooked. And there's a lot of us of all different colors, ages, genders, backgrounds, you name it. Any one of us that cannot speak to that community or not are members of that community you just identified, it is so important that as we are taking on this quote unquote power, that we don't repeat what was done to us as we were growing up. Yeah. And kudos to you for understanding the power of language, speaking to 
city council people, you know, the general public in language that is so quote unquote academic, that's, that's not okay. No, it's not. I think some people do it out of insecurity. And I think honestly, some people do it out of contempt. Right. Right. There's that, that intent and impact. And so it is, it is human nature if we don't step back and be reflective, it is human nature for us to repeat what was done to us. It is just human. This is the way I was raised. So this is how I'm going to raise you. This is how I was taught. So this is how I'm going to teach you. Not Randy under- has a song called, I just want you to hurt like I do. Yeah. Which is, there it, it is. It, it's him talking to his kids about why he's so cruel. There it is. And to actually put it in black and white like that, uh, it there exposes it uh, the 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 uh, the madness behind why we do what we do. That's it, right. It's one of my favorites. That's right. I had to throw that in because my Randy fans are like, why are we talking about anthropology? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we should, we should probably talk about Cowboy, and I specifically wanted to bring you in talk about cowboy because of some very exciting news that that you have been uh that uh, that has happened to you why 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 don't you tell us uh your your the new chapter that you're okay. undergoing here so in addition to doing thick descriptions work um i accepted a position at the national cowboy um, museum here in oklahoma i am their chief education officer Um, And so through the platform of um, education and anthropology, um, myself and the team are working diligently to help everyone find their West through cow folk experiences. Um, And and there's that language again, because I get it. Historically, we've said cowboy, but that kind of leaves out quite a few human beings that aren't boys um, that are in that cow folk community. So I'm, and, and to be completely transparent, I started off at the museum saying we should be called cow humans and that didn't go over too well. So <laughs> I was like, okay. One of my colleagues said, Suzette, what about cow folk? And I'm like, I'm in, that'll work. That way we are being inclusive of all human beings that identify as cow folk. Mm. I, uh, people not from Oklahoma who, who haven't been, and uh, it, well, I get in trouble if I still call it Cowboy Hall of Fame because, okay. <laughs> because I, I, I don't like changing my language. Okay. I, I still tell my kids that I'm going to Kinko's to pick up some copies, and they look at me like I'm really? on the moon. It hasn't been called Kinko's for 20 oh, years. MG. I haven't heard that in a while. Okay. <laughs> but, but the, the National Cowboy and, and Western Heritage Museum, I, it, it, it's, it's someplace that I'm so proud of and made a point to, to take out-of-towners to, um, es- especially when, when our kids were young. It was, it was such a, 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 a kid-friendly experience, but also just... A beautiful building. Good, beautiful yes, building. Yes, um, the 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 uh, the great room, uh, the yes. murals in the great room. Uh, it, yes. It's just breathtaking. Yes. Uh, 
But and, and, and just side note, there is conversation of creating a space where our guests can come and see the vaults. The vault I have geeked out so many times in the vault. It is Ooh. amazing, and so it's in conversation right now. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very much about uh, light bulb moments and as many humans experiencing the things that I've experienced, and that's one of them. For people to see those vaults, I I am I'm patiently waiting. Uh, I that that will be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this is a museum that takes uh, its Western art very seriously. Yes. Uh, and uh, God bless whoever this architect is, because when, when you first walk in, the first thing you see is that, that giant uh, bust of the end of the trail statue. Yes. And uh, it sets the tone so beautifully for the yes. experience. Uh, well, and... This is, as uh, we said earlier, Oklahoma is a wonderful space for opportunities. When speaking to uh, Native Americans, um, that that particular piece is not, it is not how they see being here in Oklahoma. Interesting. Right, right. Right. So, and to me, that is a very, it is a beautiful and powerful piece and it is worthy of a conversation. And th that again, not only ties into uh, what we were talking about earlier, it also ties into intent and impact because I'm confident the humans that brought that beautiful piece decades ago, their intent was to speak to a story Um understanding that over time, us as human beings, as we view it, many human beings have interpreted it as the story. And that mm. is not, that is not correct. And so it's a great opportunity for conversations and to understand what one person or human's intent was, it has created a different impact. Huh? Wow. Yeah. And Oklahoma, collectively, we are finally in a space where we're ready to talk about things like this in a thoughtful and respectful way where understanding that one perspective is not everyone's perspective. Mm. Um, you've given me a lot to think about there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. So let, let me ask, zooming out just a little bit, about the museum uh, mm -hmm. since we're releasing this right around spring break uh, mm -hmm. and I've got some local families who listen uh, any, anything going on this week uh, for, for the kids at, at the museum oh there's always something going on at the museum for the I bet kids. it's going to be a busy week over there. oh yes it will be um, so yeah what I would strongly recommend is for everyone that is listening that is in the Oklahoma City area during spring break definitely check out the website um, and definitely come give us uh, come check us out I know um, we have several exhibits there art tunes playing cowboy um, outlaw man and several others um, so yeah definitely come check us out um, there's there's some something to do for everyone there are are you bringing back the chuck wagon gathering oh yeah okay because that was memorial that, day weekend oh, oh yeah th that our calendar was circled in red ink 
<laughs> we could not miss that. And they always wanted to make a rope, which was always the longest line. <laughs> yes, yes. That, we are that, planning that, for it right now as we speak. So, yeah. I'm glad. Has the location moved? Because just driving by, it seems like that particular plot of land has uh, has been developed. So where is it? So is it there at the bottom of the hill still? Uh, meaning the the chuck wagon? Yes. To my knowledge, it is all of the above. So, and this will be my first year attending. And so to my knowledge, it is um, in the actual museum at the bottom of the hill on both sides. Uh, I, I think last year, uh, between five to 6,000 people came. So, wow. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It is, and it, it, it is worth it. My kids just loved that. That's good. That's yeah. good to hear. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> You're very welcome. That is good, really good to hear. Um, and there are a lot of cool things in addition to those exhibits and to um, this event that we're talking about. There's a lot of cool things that are happening at the at the Cowboy Um um, our new store is getting, um, well, the store is getting a makeover. It may be ready by the chuck wagon. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of cool stuff. And there's even stuff outside of the museum. So you go inside and you go to the right, go through the exhibits and then go outside again. Um, there's so many cool things going on out there for kids and families. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, provided that the weather this coming week is um, reasonable, yeah, please come check us out. It's 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 a very cool place to find your West. Yes, I love that idea to find your West. Because mm -hmm. every <laughs> one of us finding our West is very. It's we, there's overlap and there's differences. <laughs> there is. Mm -hmm. So this song that we're talking about, Cowboy, this is off of Randy's first album, I think from 1969. So the, mm -hmm. a, a very young man writing a very sad song. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we, we come from this, uh, just just to give a little background before I, I give the floor to you, that, that Randy, like many people uh, of, of his age and background, he was born in, in 43, uh, he grew up a, a Roy Rogers fan. Yes, uh, you know, I'll, always had his his little toy gun. Always had a, a bandana around his neck. Just playing cowboys in, in in the yard is something that he sings about frequently. So for him to write a song about about a cowboy when when he is in his his twenties, uh, I've always felt that that Randy is 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 trying to break down uh, these hero stories mm -hmm. from his childhood. So, mm -hmm. so tell me, tell me your thoughts on on the song Cowboy. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, once I found out that it was connected to Toy Story, that is like my one of my me and my kids. We grew up on that whole Toy Story one, two, three, and four. In fact, when it uh, whenever Toy Story comes on, and my new adults, one is twenty three, and the other one is twenty nine when uh, they are in the room, we all just kind of stop and look at each other and just immediately like, okay, Toy Story's on, gotta sit down, gotta watch. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, listening to this song, it is obviously very melancholy. 
Um, it is speaking to a time, obviously, in his life where he is, it appears that he's struggling with what cowboy, cow folk did mean, meaning past tense, the history of it, and what it is meaning to him at that time in his life. Um, I know even at the museum, um, and I spoke of it earlier, the uh, playing cowboy, it is this beautiful exhibit of, and he's not the only one of cow folk who, who can remember a time where not only did they rock bandanas and they had their, their play guns and they played cowboy with their friends and family, um, it spoke to a certain time in their life where things were just um, free um, and understanding that as the community, and I would even argue, because to, and let me say this, being part of the cow folk community is literally across the world. It is not a, just an Oklahoma thing. Um, Oklahoma, the Midwest, the South, we are probably mostly saturated with cow folk um, because of roping cows and 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 agriculture and being part of that whole rodeo cow folk community where I would argue that maybe on the coastal states and maybe in other areas in the coastal areas of other countries that's not as much at the same time I could see how those spaces have transitioned into the words that he is saying about um the city faces haunt in the places. And so possibly reminiscing of a time where most if not all of the country resembled um, the Oklahoma, the South, the Midwest, and now those spaces, those metropolitan areas, those cities have taken on a whole new look and a whole new meaning. Yet when you come back to spaces like Oklahoma, um, and the Midwest and the South, where we view ourselves as the heart of the country. We are, we are, we provide the food and the necessary resources for human beings, not just in the United States, but around the world to survive. Um, just looking in and listening to the song, the tone, he, he just seems as though he's just very melancholy, if not disappointed and or frustrated of what a cow folk cowboy used to be versus what he is experiencing at that time. It, I, 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 melancholy is such a perfect word here because he, it, it's not like he's even struggling against it anymore. No. Uh, at one point he says, it, it, what is it, it, too late to try now and I'm too tired right. to try. Right, right. Too, right. Too, uh, too late to fight and too tired to try. Right. Um, and I, 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 I appreciate what, what what he's saying there about about witnessing society changing and mm -hmm. that being something that, that's larger than us. Mm -hmm. uh, at at the same time, and you know, I I grew up with a a, a, a West Texas father. I grew okay. up with, with Marty Robbins and and okay. you know that okay. that whole uh, that whole uh, aspect of, of cowboy culture. Uh, when 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 my grandfather got uh, transferred from El Paso to uh, New York City uh, in mm -hmm. the '60s, he was 
uh, walking around in, in his cowboy hat and mm-hmm. getting dirty looks in Manhattan, mm-hmm. but he wasn't about to change the way that he, he dressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think about the, the, this whole idea of uh, the world is changing has always been there in cowboy songs. Right. You know, you take something like, don't fence me in, which like right. what Cole Porter wrote from his mansion in Massachusetts, but that's another right. discussion. Right. Uh, but, but just how you know barbed wire changed, you know right. the cowboy, right? And then right. Uh, you know movies like Open Range doing doing the same thing, where where it, it, it's it, it it's this group of people that uh, is seeing not seeing their way of life dying, but they're their way of commerce dying. Right. Um, and it, right. it seems like that's always been there in, in, in popular culture, at least in cowboy. Right. Right. And now that um, the series, I'm not sure if you watch it, Yellowstone. I don't, but my wife does. Yeah. It has brought on another pop culture understanding Um of what it can mean to be a member of the cow folk community. Um, although I've heard a, a few family and friends that watch it on, they don't miss it. And they're like, because in my mind, it's like, well, this, this kind of reminds me of Dallas. Um, that was what <laughs> ended and they're like, no, Dallas was more about oil. Um, where this is about living that life, living that because most cow folk are not wealthy oh, based no. on their day-to-day experiences. Um, in fact, many are struggling to maintain what they have. Um, at the same time, they are so committed and they come from generations of CAFO communities. So this is not just something they decided to start as a hobby. This is who they are. Um, yeah. It, and, and, and again, here's the anthropology in it. Because historically and, and currently, we have um, people that are committed to making sure we can eat cow, making sure that we can um, have access to sheep and, and clothing, you know, shaving the sheep and, and milk. And, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, yet they are not the most well-paid humans, yet they are speaking, they they contribute, if not help maintain how we eat. Um, then you have, a, and I'm, I have nothing against it. It's a, an observation. Then you have a, a, a platform like Yellowstone coming out and very similar to John Wayne and to uh, John Travolta when he came out with <laughs> uh, Urban Cowboy. He, he, then you have pop culture taking on something and almost romanticizing something that is grueling work. Um, and so I, I, I will be very interested to see, um, wasn't around when um, John Wayne started as being the, the image of the cowboy experience, um, obviously experienced um, what he did from that he and several others, because he's not the only one, he's just one of the more popular ones. I mean, my 
in addition to being a librarian and having a background in museums, I'm also have a background in libraries. And it wasn't until I started working at the library that I realized that's where the paperback came from. Cowfolk. They wanted to be able huh. to read and they wanted to have something to put in their back pocket. And that was handheld. And so here we go with the, the paperback. Oh, my goodness. Right. Which, again, tied to one of those little little bits of information that a lot of people don't know about. At the same time, I don't know too many cow folk now that uh, carry a, um, a paperback, a hand-wide uh, hand paperback and put it in their back pocket because they can now download a book <laughs> online or they can listen to it audibly. And um, libraries across the country are struggling to figure out what are we going to do with the, these these paperbacks, because um, people don't use them like they used to. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, and, and that also could tie into this song of how things have shifted and changed and um, what do we do? Mm. How, how do we move forward? Um, as human beings, we are constantly shifting and moving and evolving um, and and for, and in my opinion, for what it's worth, there are many situations that we are involved in and participate initially the the intent and the the impact is great. And then as you get maybe five, 10, 15 years down the road, other things start burning out and we realize, hmm, we didn't really think that through very well. Hmm, this is creating more of a problem than it is a benefit. Hmm. So yeah. That's 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 something that, that we need to always be reevaluating, don't we? Agreed. Yeah. And that's and, and that's that's a struggle for a lot of human beings to step back and be reflective. It is. Uh and I I think a lot of that is a, a love of tradition. I think there is a strong desire for us to um, mm -hmm. respect our ancestors mm -hmm. and sometimes we 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 do that in a, in a uh, in not the best way mm -hmm. i i wanted to 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 bring up two more things on on this 20 years ago uh -huh. when i first went to the cowboy museum uh -huh. uh, if, if you went in the great hall and then you turned left and you turned right and you turned left there was about a a five square foot display on the vaquero okay on on how how much the hispanic culture was part of of cowboy culture mm -hmm. uh and you know as someone who's traveled all over the state you know it, 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 if you're anywhere within uh, a, a a horse ranch or any kind of ranching operation you you know that the the hispanic community is just thriving in, in in cowboy culture um, mm -hmm. and that's something that just hasn't translated into 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 the mainstream culture especially when it comes to 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 our cowboy mythology is that right. something that you've noticed that is changing yes uh and i think a lot of it is because we are uh, and when I say we, I mean human beings that are coming into positions of, 
uh, being leaders, that we are making sure that we are creating space at any table for anyone that identifies, and in this case, cow folk, that their voice is heard, that their experiences are acknowledged and shared. Um, and it's, it's a process. Because uh, I personally and professionally never, and like my mom, um, she loves Maverick. She loves all of the, she grew up going to the movies on Saturdays and or Sundays. And I think she said she'd pay a nickel to go to the movies and see um, the cowboy movies, the black and whites. Uh -huh. um, and would never take those memories from her and and she's very open to it of creating spaces where not all the cow folk look European American because that's the truth. Right. Not all cow folk are European American. Not all cow folk are men. Yeah. So creating those spaces where we can see all the different experiences of what it means to be uh, a member of the Calfo community. And there is, in fact, I was talking to one of the curators the other day, there is conversation that the original um, Cal folk um, is from Africa. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So huh. how, how do we create not create stories, but speak to those stories that identifies that and the Latinx community and um, Asian Americans, huge in the cow folk community. We just don't see, unfortunately, though these communities were not photographed as frequently mm. as other uh, communities. So when we do the research, and the documentation, we're able to find quite a bit as it relates to one. Um, but when it comes to other, it's it's not that it's non-existent. It's just it's limited. Yeah. And so that's part of um, just being, a, a, in my opinion, being a good leader is making sure that everyone that identifies as a particular community, that their stories are, are heard. One last question for you on on, on the, the nature of the cowboy. As someone who grew up uh, east of here, uh, grew up in, in northern Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, cowboys were always referred to in the past tense. There, I I just didn't grow up in a a, a ranching you know, culture mm -hmm. uh, uh, to to the point where. I, I had a history teacher say, if you want to understand the cowboy, you need to go talk to a trucker. Because mm. truckers are the new cowboys. Mm. And, and I, 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 I guess in a way I understand because a, a, a trucker, uh, you know, whether through personal preference or through neurodiversity or, or what have you, can work perfectly well alone all day yeah. long. Yes, um, and and have that uh, have a, a, a uh, be very comfortable with isolation, but also have uh, you know that that constant traveling, that that being without a home, um, right. and 
I was, I was just wondering if that was your perspective in California, if if the cowboy was seen as a thing of the past. Well, for me personally, no. My godfather uh, was and still is a practicing cowboy. All right. Um, yeah, his father, um, who, yeah, my family and and his father, uh, they grew up together. I I watched him um, drive. Well, he would tell me he would drive from California to Louisiana and bring horses back and quote unquote break them and then um, sell them. So from a personal perspective, I grew up that way. My grandfather had a ranch right outside of uh, Napa and called Clear Lake, and he had several acres of land. And I watched him um, ride horses and have cows, not for, it was more for immediate and extended family um, and chickens and pigs. And I remember the first time I saw a sow and then ate the bacon and and was like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, there, you see that house right over there? That's the smoker. And that's how that big pig, that sow turned into some of the best bacon that you will ever eat. Um, so for me personally, it, it was just it was just a part of my life, although I was born and raised in the metropolitan area of um, the Bay Area. I, I was born and raised in um, right outside of San Francisco. Um, at the same time, and it's interesting you bring this up, uh, recently had the privilege of sitting and um, watching a documentary that speaks to Oklahoma Black cowboys. And one of the cowboys spoke about um, I think he, oh gosh, I forget. He's nationally known um, for rodeo, being in rodeos. And he said he remembers going to California a couple of times in the areas that he went to. They didn't think um, cowboys existed anymore. Yeah. And I was like, where did you go? Because yeah, I've, I've, I've been, this has been part of my experience my in, uh, my entire life. Um, so yeah, it, and that's yet again of who has, who has the floor, who, and what narrative are you sharing? Um, who has the power or who is in leadership and what narrative, because just because someone doesn't know something, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means you don't know. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and then that ties again into language. Um, we, we just have to be, we have to think before we speak. I, I, language is is so funny that way. Just, just verb tense there saying is versus was. Um, Yes. Yeah. And that's always been part of the grieving process is accidentally speaking of the recently deceased by is, and then catching yourself. Right. It usually happens a day or two after the fact. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's so funny that our language is so powerful right. that way. And it's interesting you say that too about is as, and was, as you know, my sister transitioned about a year and a half ago. Right. And I still say she is here. Physically, mm. I know she's not. Because of my relationship with the higher being, I think most, if not all, of our ancestors are with us, although they're not physically with us in one way, shape, or form. And I've had a few people say to me, 
I thought you said your sister died. Yes, she did physically. Um, but spiritually and other factors, I think she and many of my other ancestors are very present. Um, I, I, I think of that when, when we look at, at the night sky. Yeah. We don't talk about these stars in the past tense. No. Because we're seeing their influence now, right. even right. though they died right. millions of years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. And then that ties into the song that we were talking about, uh, the cowboy. Obviously, his experiences at a younger, uh, a different time of his life are still very present because he sees what he experienced, what he knew and or knows and what he sees. Yeah. So, yeah, we're complicated. We are. (laughs) (laughs) okay two more quick questions for you what's your favorite songs in the toy story movies you got a friend in me there you go nothing wrong with that answer my goodness Mm. i could almost cry just thinking about that song right now (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) and uh do you have a favorite cowboy song hmm no, I can't say that I have a favorite cowboy song. Um, most, if not all, songs when I sit down. So I I grew up in the album generation mm-hmm. where you could actually sit down and read the words. And so regardless of the genre, as long as I can sit down and read the words, I'm good. And there is yet to be a song where I was like, I don't care for that. So I'm I am confident um any cow folk song that i listen to i I would be in love with (laughs) very good well i think our audience knows why i could talk to you for hours we could do this for a while couldn't we (laughs) sometimes i have trouble getting work done when you're in the middle (laughs) same Uh, and you're you're just you're just such a, a wonderful facilitator uh, and and getting people to talk and getting people to listen and to, to to open themselves to new experiences. I could not be more excited that you're at the Cowboy Museum. I think that's exactly uh, what that wonderful organization is. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. You and I could talk for hours. <laughs> Where can people get hold of you or find out more information about uh, thick descriptions. What, what's the best way for people to get hold so of So you can visit our website, which is thickdescriptions.org. Um, we just got a, a facelift with our website. So very excited about that. And we are on all social media, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter. Wonderful. I will put those links in the show notes. Well, Suzette, that's it for us. Thank you so much for doing this. It's always wonderful to talk to you. And I'm I'm always glad to to introduce more people to you. Thank you. And thank you again for this opportunity. This was really cool. Thanks, guys. That's another episode of Wheel of Randy and the Books. I had a great time. So did you. We will see you April 8th at Rodeo Cinema. Get your tickets now. I don't want you to come to me the day before the show. It's sold out, Dan. 
Can you please get me a ticket? Yeah, you've been warned. Get those tickets now. This, this is... Spin the wheel of Randy.